This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Abortion rights is a key issue in 2024. For that, we turn to John Nichols. Of course, he's national affairs correspondent for The Nation, author of many books, most recently one co-written with Senator Bernie Sanders with the wonderful title, It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism. John, welcome back. It's an honor to be with you, John. Well, a decade ago, our friend and colleague Mark Cooper said the best thing that could happen to the Democrats would be for the Republicans to succeed at outlawing abortion. And of course, the Supreme Court did abolish constitutional protection for abortion rights and made state politics the crucial battleground for a woman's right to choose. And then we saw a surprisingly strong showing by Democrats in the midterms, and more recently, as you and I have talked about, a landslide in the Wisconsin Supreme Court election, where the progressive candidate who campaigned on abortion rights won by 200,000 votes, 10 times more than the margin of Biden's victory in 2020. And just a week or two after that, that Texas judge ruled that FDA approval of the abortion drug mefepristone was wrong, and that the drug should be banned nationwide. The Supreme Court might reject that ruling. They said they will decide by midnight Wednesday. We are talking before midnight Wednesday. They say they will announce whether they are going to order that access to mefepristone be temporarily restricted or fully prohibited while the case is appealed for a full hearing later this year, but now Now it's on the table. What will Republican candidates say about a nationwide ban on mefepristone? I I looked this up. As of right now, there's only one Republican senator, Cindy Hyde-Smith of Mississippi, who has publicly expressed support for a nationwide ban. And there's only one Republican presidential candidate, Mike Pence. Trump has been silent. Ron DeSantis has been silent. But how long will the Republicans be able to avoid taking a stand on a nationwide ban of mefepristone? I think in many senses, John, that depends on the courts, because by and large, I think Republicans would prefer that that the courts sort these issues out and that they don't have to actually be talking about them and and focusing on them. At the core of of this discussion is the reality that America is a pro-choice country. And the polling data in red states and in blue states suggests that uh, people are in favor of reproductive rights. They may have some distinctions within it. We shouldn't be unrealistic. Some people really want essentially no restrictions. Some people can accept some restrictions. But by and large, people want uh, women to have uh, access to safe and legal methods for ending a pregnancy that they don't want. But of course, If the courts choose, as this Texas judge, to restrict access to different methods of abortion, no matter what they are, that's going to just highlight the issue more and more, and it is going to make it more of a challenge. So ultimately, Republicans aren't going to be able to avoid these issues. They're going to have to deal with them. And uh, we are going to see an interesting dynamic because, remember, Republican nominating processes, this process of choosing a candidate for president in 2024, will occur within the bubble. It won't be you know, reaching out to the great mass of Americans. It will be reaching out to a very uh, energized and passionate base, which tends to be very anti-choice. So what you're going to see is some Republicans looking to the November election 
and trying to you know, present at least a, a somewhat more mainstream stance. And then there will be someone, maybe a couple of candidates who go to the extreme, right? And because of the heavy mobilization on the part of anti-choice groups, they're going to have viability there. So what we're going to end up seeing, John, is uh, the issue of abortion, which Republicans have been able to be relatively united on in their basic opposition, potentially become one of those uh, delineating issues, one that actually divides them. And uh, we could theoretically see Republican debates where you have Republicans attacking one another for being insufficiently anti-choice, right? And it is also evidence that our friend Mark Cooper is right about a lot of things, but he was really right about this one. I understand that Trump is going to be taking questions at an Iowa Republican pre-primary event this week or next week. And it seems to me it's inevitable he's going to be asked about banning medical medication abortion and about Ron DeSantis's coming approval of a six-week ban on abortion that the state of Florida, Florida legislature has already voted for. So isn't Trump going to have to say something in the next week or two? Oh, I, I think you are making a lot of assumptions about Donald <laughs> yes, Trump. Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, you know, when Donald Trump doesn't want to say something about something, he usually doesn't, and he often gets away with it. Donald Trump has historically uh, kind of played the abortion issue in a very complex way. In talking to anti-choice groups, he's way over the top. He is the most passionate backer of uh, you know restrictions on abortion rights. By the same token, it's not usually a central theme of his politics. It's not something that he talks about a lot uh, when he isn't pressed on it. If he is pressed on it in Iowa, I suspect that he will go to whatever he thinks the crowd will want to hear. And that may be a, a very firm anti-abortion stance because obviously he does not want to lose that evangelical base that's been very important to him politically. But uh, as with everything with Donald Trump, I think you might well get a statement one day and something else the next day. Yeah. So the Wisconsin vote that was so striking and so important showed that uh, if Democratic grassroots groups mobilize women and young people. This is a very effective way to turn out Democrats around abortion rights. The women issue has been talked about a lot. The youth issue, not so much. What do we know about the youth vote uh, in, in Wisconsin right now? Well, the women issue and the youth issue often intersect. Yeah, uh, because uh, one of the one of the key groups that we're seeing turn out in in dramatically increased numbers in a lot of election uh, contests around the country is young women. You know, look, one of the one of the challenges as regards young voters in general is that they tend to be mobile. Right. They are going off to college. They're going off to work. They are in places where they're not perhaps so connected to the traditional political patterns. Right. And so as a result, uh, we have to historically had lower turnout among young voters. That's shifting. It began to shift uh, really in 2018, even before the Supreme Court's ruling, uh, and in 2020, where you saw higher than expected uh, youth turnout. Uh, and in 2022, I think it was profoundly affected by the Supreme Court's ruling. I don't think there's any question in the Wisconsin Supreme Court race that we've been talking about on April 4, there was a major, major impact there. And the campuses around Wisconsin saw incredibly high turnout, uh, much higher than usual for a spring off-year election 
uh, I suspect that the lessons of 2022 and 2023 are going to be learned in a huge way going into 2024. And, uh, and you will see an incredible mobilization aimed at young people focused on, I think, a, a, a set of issues, including reproductive rights, also college costs, things like that. Uh, and I think finally you may see the Democrats being able to break through in a major way here and, and boost turnout significantly. I will tell you one quick uh, thing that along the way, there'll be a test this fall in Kentucky. And there's a Kentucky gubernatorial election uh, where the current governor, Governor Bashir, is seeking re-election. Um, it's a tough state. You know, Kentucky is a, a Trump state. Uh, Mitch McConnell, I believe, comes from Kentucky. Know, I've heard that. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, a Democratic governor running for re-election in such a state is going to have, you know, it's going to be a, a challenging re-elect. But it'll be interesting to see how this issue plays in that race. Of course, Republicans have noticed this effect also. And they're, um, they have a problem, which is that that the United States lowered the age of voting from 21 to 18 by constitutional amendment, which is basically impossible to change. That was back in 1971 when we all, those of us who were around in 1971, all thought that this would be an anti-war vote that would help prevent Nixon from being elected, which you may recall didn't happen. Not quite. Uh, not it, quite. Got McGovern, it got McGovern nominated, but didn't necessarily get Nixon beat. So Republicans can't raise the voting age, but what they have been trying to do to uh, go after young voters is to try to prevent them from voting with with uh, voter ID laws uh, that in some states prohibit the use of student IDs as acceptable documentation. In Wisconsin now, for example, what what is the, what are the ID requirements for students? It's a very good question, uh, and it's it's true in many many states that this is a challenging circumstance. I think we can we can pretty well establish that the dumbest thing the Republicans could try and do would be to raise the voting age. Um, yeah. That would that would um, that would a go nowhere, but b also uh, probably you know intensify the passion among young people to go and vote. Uh, but the the barriers are real in Wisconsin, for instance. Uh, when Scott Walker was governor, uh, they passed a number of barriers voter ID, basically. And one of the things that they did was that they created a circumstance where your your standard college ID couldn't be used to vote. And so you made young people kind of have to, who've come to college, have to jump through several hoops to, to be able to cast a ballot. And we've seen similar things to that across the country. Bottom line is, Republicans are apparently very, very concerned about young people voting. They've been concerned for a while. Now, I think as a result of this Wisconsin result, Scott Walker talking about it and other things, they're even more hyped up about it. And you'll see a number of, of moves making it harder to vote. And it can involve everything from barriers on voter ID all the way over to placement of polling places, just yeah. making it easy to vote in a certain place. Uh, and then uh, we had one thing in Wisconsin that, that, you know, it's hopefully a trick that doesn't get exported. And that is they moved the primary elections in Wisconsin for partisan elections from September when students are at school at, at university to August when they're <laughs> not. Um, yeah. And I think that had a very significant impact, especially as regards to mobilization of young voters. So when you add it all up, it's a pretty it's a pretty thorough package of, of tools that they have that they can use. And 
Uh, I think that Democrats, progressives, young voter activists have to be always on the watch because it's now quite clear, again, if you listen to the remarks of Scott Walker after the Wisconsin election, Scott Walker leads a national foundation, uh, the Young America Foundation, I believe it is, that organizes on campuses. They're going to be looking for all sorts of avenues to make it harder, at least for young people who might be progressive and might be inclined to vote for Democrats to cast their ballots. Of course, the other thing Republicans always try to do and are trying to do right now is to distract voters from the issues that everybody knows they care about with other issues. Ron DeSantis's favorite not right now is going against what he calls wokeness, which is bad. And uh, in their uh, view, in their view, especially focusing on trans issues. You know, uh, bans on trans athletes, bans on trans bathrooms. Is this really going to distract voters from bread and butter issues and abortion rights and minimum wage and the other things Democrats are pretty good at right now? I don't think so. I mean, it was an issue that they tried to some extent in Wisconsin and it, it, it didn't go anywhere. The interesting thing about the Republican initiatives on trans issues is that it's so cruel. And, uh, and I think a lot of people realize that. Even folks who wouldn't traditionally have thought of themselves as being particularly engaged with LGBTQ issues, they look at this and they say, wow, this this just seems mean spirited. And I do think it probably has a, an impact on the other side, that it, it mobilizes people and also causes a lot of people to see the Republicans as threatening when they get in a position of power. And one final thing on it is that so much of it is just education, just talking about things right? And discussing it. And this intersects with so many of the Republican efforts to uh, constrain what young people can learn about and discuss at, at the you know junior high, high school level. And I do think there's a pushback on this. And I, I, the where I'll point to, John, is on elections for school boards that have occurred this spring. Mm -hmm. And there have been a lot of them. This is the usually spring elections see a lot of school board elections around the country. And in Wisconsin, Illinois, and other states, what we've seen is that candidates who are backed by teachers and who um, have generally taken more progressive stance have done very, very well. And the, the kind of right wing push into the school boards, while still very active and very well funded, uh, doesn't seem to be getting quite the traction that they imagined that it would. And so it's going to be very interesting to see whether they continue to push on these issues or whether they tend to back off and aim in other directions. Obviously, Ron DeSantis has staked his potential presidential run on on this sort of fight. Yeah. And so uh, if he is the nominee, I think you're going to hear a lot about it. On the other hand, uh, I think that there are other Republicans who may already be recognizing that that this is a uh, another issue that identifies Republicans as cruel and also that identifies them as extreme. Yeah. And my sense is that they they may increasingly recognize that that's something they they should avoid. To conclude here by getting back to uh, the uh, abortion rights is an issue. Big picture is that judge in Amarillo who ordered a nationwide ban on mefepristone was, of course, nominated because we had a Republican president and confirmed because we had a Republican Senate. In 2024, 23 of the 33 Senate seats that are up for election or re-election are held by Democrats. The 10 Republican seats are solidly in red states. That means we have a tremendous fight on our hands in 2024. 
Yeah, I think it's fair to say Democrats are in a disadvantaged position. Uh, we know where the, the challenging races are going to be. We have Democrats right now who hold seats in places like Montana. And so John Tester out there is going to have a, a heck of a fight on his hands, no matter uh, how good a politician he is. You've also got Ohio, which has trended very much toward uh, the Republicans in recent years. Trump won it by eight points. Uh, Sherrod Brown, who's proven to be very resilient. He's up in a what will be a tough race. Tammy Baldwin running in Wisconsin seems to have an advantage, but Wisconsin still is a battleground state. So you start to tick these off. And I haven't even gotten to West Virginia. Mention is up. Ugh. Or uh, Arizona, where you could even have a three-way race with Kirsten Cinema, former Democrat, now independent, running with a Democrat and perhaps a right-wing Republican. So there's going to be a lot of tough races around the country. Nevada gets in that mix as well. The Democrats are going to need more than just a popular political figure like a Sherrod Brown or a Tammy Baldwin. They're going to need to have some sort of national message, a national theme that that kind of raises the stakes in these races up. Uh, and, and to do that, I think we're going to end up talking about or seeing them end up talking about some of the issues we've been discussing particularly reproductive rights. I think that is one of those national issues, even though different states have different approaches. Uh, I also think that uh, it's going to be very vital for them to have national messages as regards healthcare, education, a host of other issues. This falls to Biden. He's got to set the tone for the party. It won't be him alone, but it becomes very, very vital that he do this. In some states, they will distance themselves some from Biden because of political dynamics. That always happens. But there's got to be that baseline message that uh, mobilizes people who are, especially in this new era of our politics, who are getting their information at a national level. Used to be you had strong local newspapers, strong local radio stations. People got a lot of their information there. Now, increasingly, people get their information out of Washington, out of New York, whether we like it or not. They're getting it from cable TV. They're getting it from streamed media. They're getting it on social media. And in that circumstance, uh, the clearer the Democratic message is, the more likely they are to be able to hold the Senate. But it is going to be a very, very hard fight. In fact, there's a very real chance that Biden's reelect could be, if he runs against Trump, relatively easier, that Democrats could have, be in a pretty good position to take back the House of Representatives, but it will be the Senate that is sort of the perilous fight. John Nichols, read him at thenation.com. John. Thanks for talking with us today. It is always an honor to be with you, John. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Thank you.